It's time for another edition of From the Bridge, and I'm your host, Rick Jones, Captain of Fishbait Marketing. I'm really excited about our show today as we continue our discussion on engineering. We also will welcome my pal, Jim Richards of Market Share Sports, to talk about his career and his thoughts on reaching fans today. And we'll certainly be back on the road with Rick. Last week, we started our discussion on engineering. As I have repeatedly said to you, the key to sponsorship is narrowing and understanding the appropriate target audience, the right fans, with the right assets to make the right difference in their participation with the event, and for the sponsor to get the credit for bringing that value to those fans. Engineering starts with determining what product categories and which specific prospects best match the assets. So here's an example. Last week, we discussed the Atlantic Coast Conference and the new ACC television network. The situation we have is that we've got to sell the ACC as a solution or an opportunity and not strictly as a media solution. We need to sell the ACC as a relevant intellectual property with the media reach becoming secondary to the value of the sponsorship package. And to do that, we've created platforms and swim lanes to allow each sponsor unique and relevant turf and a positioning for storytelling. These specific swim lanes will allow you to have differential as a sponsor, and it will tell a story that best reflects your brand positioning some of the things that Jack Birch talked about earlier, along with the keys to your business objectives today. And so the, the platforms that we've built are as follow. One, innovation. That's what we're calling ACC innovation. Access, all ACCS. Academics, ACC academics. Leadership, health, fitness, and wellness. Food, fashion, and fun in the coast. Those were the things we talked about last week. Now, let me go a little deeper now and talk about what products or product categories may best fit those platforms. Let's take innovation for a minute. Well, clearly, you want companies that either they're known for their innovation or they want to reposition their brand as a new leader in innovation. For example, we're working with a company called Shot Tracker, and my friend Davion Ross has this company. What it is, it's a basketball that has a microchip in it. And in that microchip, they're able to measure things like speed of dribble, velocity, rotation, ball movement, lots of things. They put a small microchip on the shoe of each player, and they've got uh, other microchips in the ceilings that can measure how the ball moves, speed, accuracy, these types of things. Uh, We're going to use a shot tracker in our ACC games that's going to be perfect for analytics and for fans to have an app to watch and look at different things that are going on in the game. So who who would best be served to be a partner with that? Well, clearly technology companies. Companies like Apple or Google or AT&T, SAP, and Microsoft all come to mind. Um, As far as innovation goes, how about an automotive brand that promotes its innovations annually as a differential uh, in, in how they sell their cars. The second platform is access. And so we look for companies that want to promote themselves as transparent, like maybe financial services, 
companies that have no hidden fees or surprises. Now, that may eliminate several companies that have recently not lived up to that standard. I'm not going to mention any by name, Wells Fargo. Um, or maybe it could be like an airline like JetBlue or Southwest Airlines that gives all passengers in every class of service the same access to entertainment at their own individual seats. Then we look at academics. How about a company that helps students refinance their college loans? Or maybe a company that actually wants to recruit ACC students or ACC student-athletes. The ACC does an amazing program uh, academically called the ACC InVenture Prize. And it is a competition about building innovative products on your campus. So each of the 15 schools competes on their campus with their own students and those winners advance to a conference championship that's a little bit like Shark Tank um, where they present their idea, their uh, particular product to a group of investment bankers, personalities, uh, uh, all sorts of uh, industry leaders uh, for prizes. It's broadcast on public television, but going forward, it will be broadcast on the, the new ACC Network, and what a great place to demonstrate that you support academics in a unique, uh, competitive atmosphere. Let's look at leadership as a platform. How about a military branch like the, the Marines or any brand that's number one in its category and plans to remain that way? Um, a great way to showcase leadership for the ACC Network would be through a partnership with the V Foundation for Cancer Research. As many of you know, ESPN is the rights holder for all ACC assets, including the new ACC network. And ESPN, along with a former ACC basketball coach, Jim Valvano, formed the V Foundation around 30 years ago. And the beauty of the V Foundation is that 100% of the money you give, and let me repeat this, 100% of the money you give goes directly for research grants to try to find a cure uh, for cancer. I recently lost a dear friend, Christy Atkins, uh, to cancer uh, cancer touch, touches so many lives. And this is a chance for a company to say, I want to be part of the ACC network and I want to support the V Foundation in a way to raise more money. That would show a leadership position by that company. We also have this health, fitness, and wellness platform. It's a perfect place for like a drugstore chain that wants to reposition itself as a healthcare provider or a company like Fitbit or again, Apple with the Apple Watch that wants to help you be uh, more fit. Um, we're going to have an ACC road trip program that will allow us to reach students and the sponsor could pr promote a health fair on each campus as part of that ACC road trip. So there's great ways to, uh, to be involved with that particular swim lane. Then there's what we call uh, food, fashion, and fun. And that's all about the tailgating, the travel, the lifestyle of college athletics. Perfect place for travel-related companies like a hotel chain or maybe a sports bar where you're going to come watch road games. Or how about food companies that are relevant to both what we call tailgating or home gating, where you're staying home to watch the games. Or a fashion apparel brand like Southern Tide, Duckhead, or Vineyard Vines, because that's what the students are going to be wearing on game day. Uh, we hold our ACC spring meeting annually at Amelia Island uh, down in Florida, what a great place to showcase uh, food, fashion, and fun uh, to the coaches and, and fans that attend that event. And finally, uh, we created a platform called The Coast. We're putting The Coast back in the Atlantic Coast Conference. After all, our 
conference covers the entire eastern seaboard from Boston all the way south to Miami. So it's a perfect platform for a seafood company or maybe a cruise line or a beach resort or even an island like Bermuda. So now that we've identified targets and prospects, next week we'll discuss the most important ingredient in both fishing and sponsorship sales, namely the bait. Now it's time for the Tuesday tip. Recently, I had the privilege to talk with the students at Melt University. My good pal, Vince Thompson, owner and CEO of Melt, a major sports marketing and entertainment marketing agency in Atlanta, holds a summer internship program for college students who wish to work in the sports industry. And Vince brings in guest speakers all the time to give them greater exposure and learn more about the industry. Now, for these students, along with any other students that might be listening in today, you'll soon be looking for a job. And the first thing you're going to do when you look for a job is you're going to send out a resume. Now, often I get a resume that says, references available upon request. Now, I think that's stupid. Because here's the deal. Number one, anybody that you list on a resume is going to be somebody that likes you, correct? I mean, you're not going to just put somebody that can't stand you or thinks you're not talented on your resume. But you should list as many people as you possibly can for two reasons. Number one, there may be somebody on your resume list that I know. And I can call them and say, tell me about Susie, what's she really like? And that helps you. But more importantly, there may be somebody on your resume list that I don't know and I want to get to know. And I'll tell you a story about that. Years ago, we were pitching Sarah Lee and we um, for their Olympic program. And I got a resume from a young man and one of his... Um, uh, references that he listed was a guy by the name of John Bryant. Well, John Bryant just happened to be the CEO of the Sara Lee Meats Company. And he wasn't just John Bryant to this young man. He actually was Uncle John Bryant. You think that kid got an interview? You betcha. Not only did he get an interview, he got hired. So you always should list as many references as you can on your resume. And that's the Tuesday tip. My guest today is my pal Jim Richards of MarketShare Sports in beautiful Davidson, North Carolina. Jim is the founder and CEO of MarketShare and is here today to talk about his journey in sports and entertainment marketing and to discuss what he calls Red State's fans. Let's welcome Jim Richards to the bridge. Hey, pal, how are things in North Carolina today? They're good, man. Sunshine and blue skies like always here. Well, you, you know, you were raised in South Carolina, but you live and work in North Carolina. And there's always that great debate of who's the real Carolina. So I, I think you're probably in a perfect position to uh, piss about half the audience off today by picking one. So what's what's going to be your answer there? Uh, South Carolina, man. South Carolina is, uh, delivers. You got... Uh, 
You got Charleston. You got Clemson. I mean, what else do you need? Yeah, yeah. I I, I know you went to that that small Cal college that uh, we call Clemson University. Uh, it's turned out it's a pretty good school, and they actually got a decent football team these days. Uh, tell me a, bit, a little bit about uh, you being a Clemson fan. Man, it is a good time to be a Tiger. Uh, it's an embarrassment of riches every time you open up ESPN and we sign some other four-star, five-star just kind of shaking our head. I think, uh, man, all, you know, all of us who are Clemson fans, people always talk about everybody. Every time they turn around, somebody else is jumping on the bandwagon. And I say, all are welcome. Um, come on board. Dabo's doing a great job of winning over the hearts and minds of America. And uh, <laughs> we love our Tigers. It's a lot of fun. Well, you know, we talk a lot on this show about leadership, or, or in many cases, we talk about the lack of leadership. And I've always said the speed of the ship's determined by the speed of the captain. And boy, Debo Sweeney, what a captain. I mean, he, he, he is the real deal. And, you know, Terry Don Phillips was the AD there. Terry Don had been the AD at Oklahoma State. And he hired a very young coach by the name of Mike Gundy, who had played at Oklahoma State. And that turned out to be a, a great hire. And, and, and Terry Don said that, you know, every time he would walk by Dabo's office, there'd be like 12 players in there, that he had such a great rapport. But when he hired him, that wasn't necessarily the most popular popular choice, but God, has it turned out to be the right choice. Man, when he hired him, I mean, that's that's a good story. I didn't I didn't heard that. Uh, and, you, and you knew they were seeing something, but man, when they hired him, we, I think a lot of us thought, why in the world we had the wide receivers coach who looks like he's 15? Um and it was, you know, that first year wasn't, you know, um, wasn't the best. And I think the next year they went, uh, lost the USF in the bowl game. And, but boy, from there on, and with the exception of the West Virginia Orange Bowl, um, from there on, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. He's done a great job. Yeah, he really has. And it, it really is all about leadership. Well, let's talk a little bit about your professional journey from the time you got out of college till today. Man, I, Rick, I got out of I got out of college. My wife and I went into uh, nonprofit world. I work with the uh, athletes in action a ministry out of Ohio, and um, had the privilege there of doing some uh, uh, great marketing. Uh, we were kind of the boot in the seat of the pants. We have said for the for the organization there, coming up with new ideas and uh, new initiatives. We had the privilege. Um, thought a lot about athletes in action this past week. Uh, we had the privilege of doing a Super Bowl event where we gave away the Bart Starr Award every year and uh, uh, had a with Bart Starr passing this past week. It brought back a lot of good memories, um, realized a lot of the stuff that I do today. I can trace back to those um, that, that real first career job. Uh, working there and had, a, of course, wonderful opportunity to interact with Bart a few times. Uh, good man. Well, you know, it reminds me of a story my mom tells. She um, she uh, had went to a little Baptist church up in Tacoa, Georgia, and in the Baptist church, they um, when you go to seminary, you often come back to your own home church where they do the the laying of the hands on you as part of your ordination and. She had a young man named Tom who'd grown up in that church and gone to seminary. And he came back and the senior minister after he did that said to him, he said, now, Tom, I've got some good news and some bad news for you. He said, the good news is you get to do the Lord's work. Uh, the bad news is you got to work with the Lord's people. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think when you work with athletes in action doing that ministry work, you, you probably found a number of the Lord's people that were maybe more difficult to work with than others. 
Amen, brother. I will say it was a little bit easier than the home church. You could move on to a different city and do something different. But uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, that's that's funny. Good story. So, hey, I was at Athletes in Action. I was there for five years. It was this thing called the Internet coming along. Um, me and some buddies decided to pursue an Internet dream. We went we went for broke and we got there quick. About six months, we were dead. And uh, I stayed in technology for a little while doing sales. And after about two years in technology, um, I was working with a company. We were selling search engine technology. And there was another search engine called Google that was coming on the scene at the same time. And we were getting our brains beat in every day. And so um, I realized real quick I needed to get back in sports. Um, one, I loved it. Two, uh, marketing and uh, really was really something where I can make an, I can make an impact and um, I had, uh, when I begged Tad Geschichter at uh, JTG Doherty Racing, I begged him for a year for a job. He gave me a shot to get back in the game and um, came to back, got us back down to North Carolina. We were in Ohio at the time. Got us to North Carolina, and we uh, worked with JTG Doherty for uh, six years. Man, while I was there, Tad's background is Procter & Gamble, and so he really taught me the grocery business. It's kind of funny to think I went to work for a race team and uh, in the process really dove deep into understanding consumer packaged goods. I tell people all the time, I can teach a NASCAR in about a weekend, um, but when you, he really taught me the importance of digging into our customers' business and really understanding their needs. Um, my job there was to take that NASCAR platform and to uh, help salespeople make something of it. You know, often marketing will can sign a deal and say, hey, this is a great deal. And then your salespeople are looking at it going, I don't know anything about NASCAR. I don't know anything about the PGA Tour. What do I do with this? And so we spend 95% of my time helping those guys understand how to make it work with their customers. It's a good experience. After about six years, I went to work with retail sports marketing. And while I was at retail sports marketing, Jim Doyle and the team there uh, really learned the importance of uh, getting into the details. Uh, execute, executing, making the customer the center of the story, and um, really learned how to work in an agency environment. And uh, appreciate all I learned there. After three years at RSM, started Market Share Sports, and we've sought to continue to um, be that full service agency for our clients, uh, helping them to um, build great uh, activation and marketing programs around authentic uh, sponsorships and partnerships. So. Well, you've um, you, you've worked in what I call a lot of the red states uh, activities: NASCAR, college football, country music. Uh, you know, recently I saw what y'all did at uh, the CMA Festival with Reesers Fine Foods, where you know there's 125,000 fans there, and and they all came back and said that the best activation uh, that they saw was Reesers. It's like you've gotten your clients to understand uh, it's about fans. And in the case of, of, of you guys, you're, you're working with a lot of what I call red state fans. Talk a little bit about fans. Yeah, I, you know, for us, the research is a great example. Um, with their privately held company out of Pacific Northwest, right across the street from Nike and Beaverton, Oregon. And um, uh, Oregon State, place football at research fields. So great brand recognition in Pacific Northwest and even the West coast and even over to Colorado. But seven years ago, when we started working with them east of the Mississippi, they weren't a known brand at all. And, um, they kind of got in saying, Hey, how do we, how do we make a difference? And so we 
um, you know, looking to those tribes and uh, kind of in the, in the heartland and in the south, you know, they were real. I thought they were smart to say, hey, we want to want to identify with these people. We want to sell product there, um, not just get awards. We don't want to just do crazy stuff. We want to figure out how to sell stuff. And um, so we really helped them look, um, you know, what those platforms were that that, uh, uh, that could help us do that the best. We uh, helped them get into NASCAR. They were they were leaning that way. They just uh, wanted some validation. We uh, did a couple of things there, helped them make a responsible investment for a privately held company of their size. We um, then started, we like NASCAR from the standpoint of national reach, local relevance. You know, it's, um, we can sponsor one team and then we can activate locally in uh, 40 weeks out of the year, uh, which we've been able to do. Um, uh, so if we're racing in Phoenix or if we're racing in Virginia, um, we can uh, really uh, activate with the customers there. And it's, man, it's just, again, core. Uh, how do we deliver for the fans? We got into country music. We um, at our activation at CMA Fest uh, that you mentioned, um, we gave the fans there four of the top five needs of a festival goer. We gave them a little bit of food. We gave them a place to sit down at some picnic tables. We gave them some shade with umbrellas. We gave them a place to charge their cell phone. And they came back and said we were the most recognizable non-stage sponsor at the event, 10 days after the event, unaided um, recall. So I, it is. It's uh, We've had a good time. Seth Godin talks about um, – he talks about smallest viable audience. And when we look at – that's why we love sponsorship, right? It's what when you look at NASCAR, it's uh, it's not a small audience, it's a, but it's, it's viable – 3.1 million people walk, watching each week. It's um, however many fans NASCAR's claiming these days, 70 million, 60 million, whatever the number. Uh, when you look at country music, it's 115 million um, country music fans, and they have an organization called CMA that is designed to promote the genre and be a partner. Um, so we have a lot, we've aligned ourselves with two great partners there for them, and it's really made an impact on their business. I remember years ago, I had a, a buddy, Roy Spence, who was the founder and CEO of GSDNM Advertising in Austin, Texas. And he he had Walmart as a client. And he, and he said to me, Rick, our agency is about niche marketing, and Walmart's got a 92% niche. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, lo- I love that, though. But and, and, and we're laughing about that today. But you and I have had some conversations about this. I, I really believe today the marketing communications industry just doesn't understand flyover states. They don't understand NASCAR. They don't understand country music. They don't understand uh, college football. And they certainly don't understand the fans or the tribes of those particular activities. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, um, kind of the best example, we've had a couple of different discussions on. Um, I was at an event in Atlanta prior to the Super Bowl. I was excited to be there. Um, CMO Burger King. Uh, uh, excellent speaker, very creative guy, seems very smart, a very enjoyable presentation. Um, and he made the statement that uh, we have this great commercial for the Super Bowl. We're very excited about it. Can't wait for you to see it. Um, so I sat on pins and needles watching the Super Bowl and all the commercials, waiting to see this great commercial that was going to roll out and just blow me away. And, and um, Burger King rolled out the Andy Warhol video of eating a hamburger. And, uh, kind of sat there and stunned and, um, 
<laughs> just I, I didn't get that at all. Um, I mean, call me, call me. I guess I'm not smart enough um, for that or something. But it's like there's there's a lot of that. There's a lot of agencies doing things. I shouldn't paint it with too broad a brush here, but there's a lot of stuff happening where agencies and brands are doing things to pat themselves on the back. I feel like instead of saying, Hey, really, how do we connect with our people? What, um, what, what about the, the ones who are loyal to us? How do we, how do we connect with them? Um, Kroger a couple of, uh, a couple of years ago now, I guess, um, had their client of ours and they had 35 plus, it may have been 40, consecutive quarters of, of uh, positive same store sales growth. Uh, and this longest huge run and their stock was, was soaring and they did it by focusing on their premium loyal customers, um, just giving their customers what they wanted. Um, instead of trying to convert them to new products, they gave them discounts on the products that were important to them. They, um, and I, listen, I think that's, there's, uh, uh, a lot to be said for that. I think um, companies need to get in line with their customer and uh, continue to seek how to give them what they want instead of trying to do the most creative, outlandish stuff and create buzz and try to win awards and, from the industry. Well, we talk a lot about preaching to the choir. And, um, you know, I think you've got to do that. At some point to grow your brand, I think you got to use the choir to preach to the congregation, but you better make sure you have a full choir loft full of people. I think NASCAR got away from that a few years ago, you know, where they, they kind of turned their back on their core fan in all interest of being multicultural, being hip hop, being slick, being exciting to the point that I think the the regular fan said, they don't know me anymore. They don't care about me anymore. And, And I think under Steve Phelps's leadership now, you're seeing them get back to their roots a little bit. Talk, talk a little bit about about that. Man, really excited about what Steve's doing, um, for sure. I don't don't know Steve directly, but uh, I will uh, soon. Um, I just I think there's a there's a good buzz uh, in the garage with NASCAR. I think if you want to say it this way, I think they've hit they hit bottom. I think uh, um, I think under his leadership, I'm excited about some of the stuff. Uh, moving forward. I think you're right. I think they've, they've begun to listen. I think that's what's most exciting. Um, they're actually considering steps to shorten the season a little bit. There's some things that are happening with the racetracks that are private, uh, privatizing now that may give them some more uh, ability to modify the schedule a little differently and do some different things. So um, I do agree. I think he, they've, they've come back to listening to the core while at the same time, I mean, they need diversity. They need uh, they need to expand in some different markets, and they need to uh, to do some different things. And they've they've got some great drivers: Daniel Suarez, Bubba Wallace. A lot of initiatives around them. There's some young, uh, up and coming drivers: uh, Kaylee Deegan, Haley Deegan, um, a young lady who's uh, making her way up uh, series. They got a new crop of young drivers who are coming in. Um, you know, they've got a unique challenge. NASCAR is the one sport where you never have to get out of a seat. Uh, these guys can drive to their 50. And, um, and so the NASCAR fans really didn't like when all of a sudden their favorite drivers, um, Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart. And, um, you know, even going back, um, you know, Dale jr. Stepping out of the car, you know, they, they don't like change in the driver's seat. Um, most other sports by the time an, uh, an athlete gets to be 35 years old, everybody's cool. I know I, my quarterback's coming to the end of his career. Um, and NASCAR, they're just getting started. 
Um, and so it's a very, uh, very unusual thing when drivers start changing. And, um, but anyway, we got, we got a new crop of young drivers. I think the fans are going to embrace these guys and, uh, we'll see what this sport goes from here. So. Well, if you want to reach, uh, what we call red straight fans in a variety of ways, I suggest that you, uh, you contact Jim Richards at Market Share Sports. Hey, pal, thanks for being with us today from the bridge. Thank you, Rick. Great to be with you. It's time to pack your bag and head out on the road with Rick. My favorite meal is breakfast, bar none. And for me, I like a real Southern breakfast. And one of my favorite places is in Atlanta, Georgia. I've been spending a lot of time recently in Atlanta, and there's a terrific restaurant called the Silver Skillet. It's on 14th Street in Midtown, right next to Georgia Tech. It actually opened in 1956, but the same family, the Deckers, and now their daughter, Teresa, have run the place since 1967. One of the things I love about this skillet is they have great southern waitresses, the kind that'll bust your chops, but it'll make sure your coffee cup stays full. They're open only for breakfast and lunch, and while they have an amazing meat and three lunch, I'm really partial to their breakfast. You can get eggs anyway. Now, I like my eggs fried over medium. They've got bacon, sausage, country ham, fried chicken, country fried steak. They offer grits or hash browns. Biscuits or toast. They even have gravy. In other words, they've got paradise. My mouth is watering right now, and I wish I could head there today. So try it soon. The Silver Skillet in Atlanta, Georgia. That wraps up another week. I'd like to hear how we're doing and any suggestions you have for making the show better. You can reach me at rick at fishbaitmarketing.com. We hope to see you again soon from the bridge. This has been your captain, Rick Jones, from the bridge. If you like what you hear, please share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast directory. It's